Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Talking About podcast. I am Sean Kennedy. We are recording on Christmas Eve. So for anyone that celebrates the Christmas holiday, I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. Um, on, on the line with me this week is Harrison Grimm, staff writer for the Liberty Ballers. And Harrison, how are you doing? Thanks for joining this week. Hey, I really appreciate you having me on again. I'm, I'm doing well. I hope you are as well. Um, Lot to uh, be excited about with with the holidays and Christmas. Uh, not so much with the Sixers, though. <laughs> no, the Sixers are up to their old tricks. Um, since the last recording of this podcast, they only had two games. Uh, Sundays against New Orleans was postponed due to COVID, and then very encouraging win over Boston. Um, both teams were missing a handful of rotation players, but Sixers winning in Boston on the road w- with you know, Tatum and Jalen Brown, both in the lineup. It was a very encouraging win. And then, of course, against an Atlanta team that was missing Trey Young, Clint Capella, on and on, probably about eight players, I believe, uh, from their roster. And so, of course, the Sixers fell behind by 19 early, eventually drop a two-point loss to the Hawks at home with Atlanta having played the night before. So, Everything was kind of in the Sixers' favor, even though they were missing, you know, a handful of their bench players and everything else. But just a, a really disappointing loss. Um, Harrison, at, at this point, like, how, how frustrated are you with this team's inability to, to kind of take care of business when they should be the more advantageous team, given the roster situations and everything else? It's been pretty frustrating. I mean, when you break down game by game, it's a similar script that that we're going off of where they just have these really, really slow starts for whatever reason they just can't execute. Um, And in some games, that's come back to bite them. We've seen it now in several games with the Grizzlies game, the the Brooklyn game, the Miami game, and most recently with Atlanta. Um, So so I'm not really sure what's going on. I don't know what, what the cause of these slow starts are. Uh, But it's really unfortunate, especially coming off of a game, uh, as you talked about, against the Boston Celtics, which the Celtics aren't a juggernaut by any means, but they're a good team. And, you know, it's an away game. So you would have liked to see him build off that win. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, they just couldn't do it. Yeah, the the slow starts are really discouraging because I think the, the problem throughout probably the whole Joel Embiid era is that oh, and beats not on the court, things fall apart. And not not to say that the benches have been outstanding this year, but they, they've certainly been serviceable. And I don't think anyone would point to second units as the reason the Sixers are now back to 500 on the season. But you have another game like last night where the starters just don't perform well in the beginning of the game. They, they dig a huge hole. And then it was actually like Tyrese Maxey who was coming off the bench and like Charles Bassey played with a lot of great energy and, and really helped rejuvenate the team. Like these are the guys that got him back into the game, really. And then like 
if you have these stars that are supposed to be night in and night out carrying the team, and it's just, yeah, sometimes they look great, sometimes they don't, though, that's not getting it done, especially when you're playing against a Hawks team that didn't have their stars. Like, Cam Reddish was going off against them, and like, uh, Skyler, Skyler Mays is that <laughs> was that the guys? I like he he came up from the G League. Like uh, I I hope yeah Skyler Mays. Um, like these are the guys that are. It's not Trey Young that's going off for forty points. Like what what's going on with like Joel Embiid is supposed to be this this superstar, and sometimes he does have superstar games, and and then sometimes he just looks like he's going through the motions. Like and then obviously Tobias Harris, who we talked about. Dave early and I last week on the podcast, like we just don't know what to make of Tobias these days. Like he has one good game out every four. It seems like these days, I, I don't know. So, so Harrison, if you, if you were doc rivers, would you be doing anything differently? Do you think there's any easy answers at this point? I think there's a lot of issues with this team. And while I do think there are things that doc could be doing better. I also think it just comes down to overall roster construction I mean, you have a roster that's optimized with, you know, Ben Simmons in the fold, and obviously he hasn't been, and and it doesn't look like that's going to change anytime soon. Uh, but going back to the initial question at hand about Doc, I definitely think that there's things that he, he should be doing differently. Uh, he's essentially run Tyrese Maxey into the same role as Ben Simmons was last year and really hasn't changed many rotations. He's still you know, running the, the all bench lineups and everything. He's using Tyrese Maxine, the dunker spot, which I'm frustrated with. I know a lot of other people are frustrated with. Um, one thing I really think, and, and I know a lot of people have said this, so, so it's probably true um, that he could be doing better is just running Tyrese Maxey with, with himself or with Tobias Harris. I, I don't understand tying all of his minutes next to Joel Embiid. And then you have Doc Rivers saying in, you know, media sessions and media availability that he wants Tyrese to, you know, facilitate. And, and every shot that he takes is another shot that Joel or, or Seth or whoever isn't taking. And, you know, Tyrese is a fine passer. I, I think he's a he's an average passer at this point in his career. Um, but but that's not what he does. You know, he, he's a three level scorer. He, he showcased that uh, throughout the year. And it's just really frustrating to see. Uh, Tyrese Maxey's usage at this point and while I will say that about Doc I also think it comes down to the players as well I love Joel Embiid but uh, unfortunately last night he he just he put up 23 and 10 which is fine but he didn't shoot the ball well uh, but that being said you know Joel Embiid shouldn't have to have a 40 point game to defeat the Atlanta Hawks without four of their five starters so there's just problems in roster construction, coaching decisions, and it also falls on the players a little bit as well. Yeah, I mean, there's accountability all all around, to be sure. Uh, the Tyrese thing is the most obvious fix, I guess, and it's something everyone's kind of talked about. But yeah, it's not, it, it shouldn't be any coincidence the folks that you know Tyrese comes off the bench last night because they they weren't sure how how long he would go coming off his quad injury and he's playing with the bench unit and suddenly he looks great again like he had 17 points and just looked he was the most explosive player on the court um the, the couple games recently where Joel was out and Tyrese played uh and Tyrese kind of carried carried the team almost single-handedly on offense in, in some of those situations like it's it's not coincidental in, in the least that 
they break they break these guys up a little bit and stagger their minutes and suddenly Tyrese looks like a completely different player when he's on than when he's on the court with Joel. And you mentioned like him just kind of slotting Doc Rivers slotting Tyrese into the Ben Simmons role. There is absolutely zero reason Tyrese Maxey should ever be in the dunker spot. And it's coaching malpractice when on those occasions when it does happen. Like there's no reason you need a six foot guard who's the fastest guy on the court to be down near the basket, just waiting to get an offensive rebound as if he was the 6'10 guard he used to have on the roster. Uh, so yeah, that doesn't make any sense, but you're right. It, 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 it does also fall on the players. Doc Rivers said after the game last night, he thought they approached it. They came into the game too casually, just knowing that Trey wasn't playing and everybody else that the Hawks were missing. Um, yeah. These guys, they're not good enough to coast like this they, they got to approach every game as if they need to bring their a game because the roster and then this gets to what you said about roster construction the roster just isn't strong enough that they can bring their c plus b minus game and that's going to be enough to get it done like this is the nba and if you're not playing your best and you're not this super strong team to begin with which we're over 30 games into the season at this point it's clear the sixers are not this elite team they're a maybe above average team that can beat anybody if they play their absolute best, but they can lose to anybody if they, you know, don't show up. So yeah, it's, it's super frustrating all the way around. And it's not like we're two weeks into the season. They're still trying to figure things out. Like the season is nearly halfway over like this, they got to really get, get things into gear or we, we might be approaching March and talking about how the Sixers could be in a play-in tournament situation. So just just really frustrating. I, Doc Doc can definitely do some things better. You, you said like the all bench lineups are, are frustrating and it, it they are, that they've been frustrating for years. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's going to go away from it, but yeah, it's also on the players. And um, so <laughs> the glass half empty. If, if this is kind of how it goes and, and the year ends, say the Sixers lose in the first round or something, and at this point of the season, all we've really had to show for it is that, oh, Tyrese Maxey has flashed that he maybe has a, like a all-star type ceiling. At, at the very least, he looks like he, he, he's going to be a starter in this league. If, if we at the end of the year, we look back and say, like, nothing really was positive about the season except for the fact that Tyrese Maxey went from being a rookie who was taken, you know, in, outside the lottery and, and showed flashes, but you still had no idea to now we definitely know he's an NBA starter. If that's all we have to, to come away with, how, how do you feel about this season? It's a, it's a tough pill to swallow, really. I mean, Tyrese Maxey has showcased that, that he's the real deal. He's going to be a really good player for hopefully a really long time. Um, and I, and I, you know, Tyrese Maxey has been the silver lining to pretty much every game that, that we've had to watch this year. You know, uh, last night, everyone was like, oh, well, Maxey had a good game and, and was showcasing Maxey clips and everything. And that was really the only thing that you could point to and, and feel good about. Um, so I, I think growing Tyrese is just really important. I do think it's going to be uh, what goes down as one of the major keys and developments throughout the season uh I, I also think incorporating whoever you get in a Ben trade assuming it is happening this year uh, I think that's also a key point to the season 
but you can't help but feel a little bit underwhelmed um, if, you know, just under a magnifying glass that this year it was just all about growing Tyrese Maxey. Like, I love Tyrese. He's a phenomenal player. Um, but but that's a pretty tough pill to swallow, especially if you're Joel Embiid, who is in his prime right now. So, I don't know. It It, it, it doesn't feel great at all. No, it, it, it certainly doesn't. Um, so, but let me ask you this coming into the season, what were your expectations for the team? And I guess how far, how far have they deviated from what your expectations were? My expectations, I kind of assumed, um, going in that, that Ben wasn't going to make an appearance anytime soon. And I I didn't think a trade was going to happen until maybe, January or February so I kind of came in with lower expectations compared to most uh, but still I will say I, I thought this team would be you know a top six team or, or a team above the play and I, I think they could do that pretty comfortably even with the the roster holes and and with with Ben and all this money being tied up that just isn't playing I still think that they could have been a good team I I honestly didn't expect them to be 500, you know, now that we're at the 30 game mark, which at this point, you know, 30 games, that's a pretty decent sample size. It absolutely is. Um, And yeah, they started eight and two and everyone was thinking, okay, maybe this is going to be all right. And of course the, they got hit by injuries and and the first wave of COVID that went through the team. And now they're kind of dealing with the second wave that has uh, reduced the roster, but, I'd like to to make excuses that, you know, that's the reason, but, you know, every other team seems to be going through the same thing. And you look at the last two weeks where they've been in a much better situation roster and health wise than Atlanta last night. And as you, as you mentioned, the heat and the, the nets a, a little over a week ago. So I, I don't think the excuses can be made just, just for that anymore. Um, like, other teams are dealing with it and they're they're overcoming it much better than the Sixers have been recently. But then again, you have the the flashes like they beat the Warriors, who are the NBA's best team at the at, at this juncture of the season. And they, you know, they win it win a game on the road in Boston, which as you said, Boston's not like a juggernaut, but they, they are a solid team. So any road win over a solid team you take. Um so, so the potential's there. It's just it's just the consistency and and bringing it night in and night out. Then their their attention to detail and their focus and their effort just all wavers. And like those are things that should never waver if you're a team that truly has like title aspirations and 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 views itself as a contender. Like it, it's just very frustrating at this point. And just just for myself, I I didn't have high expectations either. I kind of all depended on, oh, what can they get for Ben? Because this roster minus Ben, like, obviously wasn't good enough to to get out of the, definitely not out of the second round, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's very discouraging. And we're, we're at a, a juncture of the season where they can't keep dropping these winnable games or, or they're just going to find themselves too far below the, uh, the, the upper crust in the East. All right, so we're going to take a quick break now and hear from our sponsors. And after we come back, we're going to have a little bit more uh, more holiday fun than the, the first kind of more di- discouraging portion of the podcast here. So, all right, hold tight. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, and we're back. So given given the holiday season, Harrison, uh, I wanted to have a, a fun little back and forth about what would your Sixers Christmas wish list be? Uh, just if, if you could write a letter, write a letter to... Sixer Santa and say here here's what I want this year what what would be on your list and and we can kind of go back and forth and and discuss what we would like so so Harrison what 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 are you asking for this holiday season uh two things come to mind immediately for me and and what I would write definitely at the top of my list would probably be someone like a Jalen Brown or Shea Gilgis Alexander through a Ben Simmons trade uh which is obviously you know a, a pipe dream at this point but it's kind of the only thing that I'm looking forward to <laughs> is, is just seeing what they can get and, and how they can improve this roster before the trade deadline. Uh, so that would definitely be at the top of my list. Yeah. Just, I'll just say that, that I, I, I wrote it down as my little girl asking for a pony for Christmas would be <laughs> asking for Jalen Brown in a Ben Simmons trade. <laughs> so yeah, in that it, it probably doesn't really have a chance of happening, but you, you still feel like there's enough of a shot that you can write it down and hope for the best. But yeah, I, I don't, I, I really don't see the SGA thing because I I've, I've said in our Slack before, why would a 23 year old guard that is, is viewed as still approaching a ceiling and one of the best players in the league and can kind of play with anyone. Why would that not want to be a PC build around? Um, but then, then I remembered the Sixers actually traded Drew Holiday when he was 23 and kind of a similar situation and that jump started the process. So then I was like, Oh, well maybe, maybe it's not the dumbest thing in the world, but uh, yeah, I, I don't see the SGA thing. The Boston thing, it, it does. There have been so many discussions about what a toxic situation it is there and how guy like Marcus smart calling guys out for not passing enough and everything else, you know, there's enough, enough whispers there that I, I feel like there's maybe a, a one to four percent possibility of something going down, um, and maybe the three-team deal with Simmons going to Indy and Sabonis going to Boston and Brown going to Philly with you know whatever parts also included to make that work. Like maybe that could happen. It's, it doesn't seem like the craziest thing in the world, but yeah, that so that was that was definitely on my list too. <laughs> so why don't you go ahead with your your next one? Yeah, so I, I think. Uh, the next thing for me would just be willing shooters. Um, and this was something that I just found myself getting just really frustrated at watching last night. I posted two separate possessions that they passed up like two or three, like pretty good shots. It was a combination of Firkin, believe it or not, uh, Tobias, which shocker. Um, and, and Seth Curry just passing up these shots and, and it always led to like just an uh, awkward mid-range shot or, or like uh, on one possession they got bailed out with a foul call but uh, just willing three-point shooters guys that are just willing to shoot the ball and not pump fake and dribble in or, or, or pass up open shots I 
you know, part of what made the Sixers so good last year was they had, you know, all this floor spacing where Joel Embiid could work, Ben Simmons could work. Um, and they just haven't had that this year. There's a lot of hesitation. And even from guys that we're not used to seeing hesitation from in the form of Furka and Korkmaz, who we've seen him take like ridiculous shots. Uh, but, but, you know, that that's what he does. And it, it's kind of concerning to see that, especially last night. Yeah. I, I also had something along those lines. I, so I, I, I won, I, I specifically wrote down, make course cork a shooter again i want the guy that had such swagger and confidence that he created the i don't want to say infamous because I, I think every bit of it is wonderful so i'll just say famous the famous um highlight reel compilation where he dunks through a rim of fire i like you need a certain amount of confidence and swag to 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 put that out there into the universe. So why is, who is this guy that's now passing up on open shots? Like this is not the, the Furkan Korkmaz that we, we came to know and love. And I, I get that he's going through some horrific shooting slump right now. And, and that's probably why he's, he's reticent to, to fire away and, and kind of second guessing himself right now. But listen, man, you are a that's that's what you're in the league to do is to shoot like that's your primary uh, the primary value you bring to the table. So he's got to get over it or and, and just fire away. And, you, you know, you hope eventually that there's positive regression and he starts hitting those shots again because he has a long history of being an above average shooter. Um you're not you're not doing anything for this team if you're out on the court and passing up those shots so one of them was like kind of a wizard of oz thing like give give quick his heart like and 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 let him go back out there as with the confidence to, to shoot those shots that he needs to take um and then yeah also just like acquire more willing shooters like i look at brooklyn stealing patty mills for a pittance in the offseason and just wondering like how perfect a fit would he be to just come off the bench and just knock down trays like that? So yeah, obviously there's no one going to be available at the trade deadline. That's as proficient as Patty Mills, but I don't know, like a Terrence Ross, I'm sure you can get like Orlando has been shopping him. Uh, he, he's a guy that's at least willing to shoot it. And th- there's guys like that out there. I, I, I don't make a list of five trade targets, but there's plenty of guys out in the league that are, that are willing shooters that they can go and acquire. So that, that was definitely on my, my wish list as well. Tim Hardaway Jr. is another one that kind of yeah. fits that mold of just a guy that will shoot like any shot. Yep. That's a good name as well. Agreed. So what, what else is on your list, Harrison? So the, the final thing I have is, is kind of similar to what you said with Firkin, but just with Tobias, to like, Tobias, I, I wish for a better Tobias. Like the Tobias we saw last season was was good. Um, he held his own defensively. He he wasn't bad defensively. He also wasn't great, but there's even some matchups where he looked really good, like against Julius Randle. I thought he did a phenomenal job defending him. Um, this year we haven't really seen that. He's been kind of flat-footed. A lot of people have just kind of blown by him. Um, but, but obviously Tobias isn't in there to get defensive stops. He's, he's in there to score. And even that has just been a headache to watch. Like sure. He's getting 16, 18 point games, but they're usually on low efficiency or, or just kind of the, the, the shot selection is just kind of mind boggling because it's a lot of, you know, pump fake threes dribble into 
a contested mid-range or just there there's games where he just endlessly posts up and you know it just gets to the point where listen I don't mind a, a Tobias Harris uh post up and, and fade away he's good at those but it's, it's just to the point where it's just hard to watch so I I don't know if it, if it's COVID after effects I don't know if he's dealing with some kind of injury or whatever um but just just even getting to the the Tobias Harris from last year uh, would help this team so much. Yeah, it, it really would. Um, I won't pontificate too much on the Tobias situation because I've talked about it quite a bit, but yeah, him going from yelling while hitting shots in, in the garden against the Knicks and, and saying I'm an effing all-star and people thinking, Oh, well, yeah, maybe he has a case. He has been playing really well. Like, so he was at least in the conversation of being an all-star and now he's back to being like, Oh, what a, what an albatross contract. And he's not doing nearly enough to help this team to justify it. How can, how can we move him any way possible? Like that, those are the conversations fans are now having again. Um, Yeah. That's been one of the most, disappointing turn of events for the, for the season to be sure. And yeah, you want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like he he's talked about like how he's had lingering symptoms post COVID and he, he has, he doesn't feel a hundred percent. And, but yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't quite the same player prior to that either. And I don't know. He's just, he's just not the same guy he was last year. And uh, the Sixers need him to be at least that guy, given the amount of salary cap space he's taking up and how that limits them as far as a roster build elsewhere. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I might view that as a little bit more towards the pie in the sky end, just because I don't, I don't know where, what we expect from Tobias at this point, but uh, yeah, him, (laughs) him regaining form would certainly go a long way to helping this team. Um, so my final one was just anyone that knows how to throw a post entry pass. This, this has been, yeah, it's been a huge problem (laughs) this season. It, we joke that Joel Embiid is probably the best post entry passer on the team. And if only there was a way he could pass to himself, it would make things a lot easier, but there are so many plays where he is down there fighting incredibly hard and getting good deep post position and, all, all it would take was just get him the ball. And he, he, he probably has a guy that's six inches shorter than him in a lot of cases. And it would be an easy bucket, but they just can't do it. Um, and, and as a result, he, he ends up having to start his plays a lot of times outside the arc or get, he gets those at the nail or like kind of those mid post 15 feet away. Uh, just, just because that's the only times he can really get the ball. So he's got to gravitate out and that, that hurts his efficiency and everything else. So yeah, just like a normal run-of-the-mill guard that that knew how to throw post-entry passes would be amazing. Like you look at, they played the Hawks last night. Like the Lon Wright would be a, a great guy to just bring in and solid defense knows how to throw a post-entry pass. That'd be nice to have on the roster. Somebody like that. Um, they played Memphis last week. Like a young guy like Tyus Jones. He's he's another guy that. I think would do a good job in that role. Like Corey Joseph on the Pistons, the Pistons are one of the worst teams in the league this year. I'm sure they're, they're looking to unload any vets. If you can throw a second round pick their way or something like I, I haven't, I haven't worked, I haven't done the trade machine and figured out every perfect scenario, but there are guys that are, you know, solid veterans that aren't going to blow you away in the stack category, but that can just like 
make a post entry pass, like go get one of them just just to help Joel out a little bit. That that be that'd be another one on my wish list. Yeah, any of those guys would really help, but it, it's just so tricky, you know, working the trade machine just because you have so much money tied up in Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons that when you go down like the salary cap, you really only got guys like Danny Green, Seth Curry, Georges Niang, and, and Furkin, who are guys that, you know, make more than uh, you know, rookie scale or minimum contracts. And all those guys with I guess the exception of Ferkin thus far are productive players. So it's like, do you really just want to give up a productive player and probably an asset for one of those guys? And, you know, that's a tough question to answer. Yeah. Uh, the, the Cork Moss thing is interesting in that at the beginning of the season, he was playing really well. And we were all talking about how, wow, what, what a steal of a, of a, a, a signing they made in the offseason to bring him back around five million a year, like that, that could be a, a great contract. And oh, you could throw him into a bench trade now, and people would view him as this like a oh, positive asset. Like that would increase the value you got in a deal if you in, were to include him, or you keep him around, and that helps you, you know, stay under the under the luxury tax or whatever, and you still have this really productive rotation player. And now, I don't even know if you included him in trade, like. I, I think that would kind of be just like a, a neutral thing. Like they'd be like, all right, that's fine. Like he can be a salary match. I don't think he'd be viewed as a negative because the salary is so low on his contract, but I, I still think you would have to include the pick or whatever else you would need to, to throw in in the first place. Like Cork Moss is not providing any positive value in a transaction right now. So yeah, it's, it's definitely been a, a big swing in the last six to eight weeks from, from where things were. You don't even need like the, the Firkin from the first few games. Like the Firkin from the first few games was a tremendous player. You know, he's craning through others, uh, scoring at well in the mid range and three point game. Uh, we haven't really seen that from him before that. Before he was just kind of like a nine or 10 point per game guy that, you know, shot the ball well. That's what the Sixers need right now. They don't even need that guy that we saw. Um, early in the season, if he if he could just, you know, shoot the ball at a league average rate, you know, it'd give this team a much needed boost. Yeah, the guy he was last year was streaky shooter. Sure. But you kind of rode the waves. And then at the end of the at the end of the year, you looked and it's like, oh, he's he's, you know, average to above average. Like you take that. And just the fact that he was so willing did a lot to open up the offense. Like guys were fl- having to fly out at him and always account for him on the court. Um, and that kind of limits their ability to, to double down on Joel and everything else. Uh, but yeah, th- he's, he's not hitting shots or willing to take shots. So it's kind of not providing any value. So yeah, you're right. That even, even the player he was last season would be a big help. Um, all right. So the, 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 the last kind of Sixers thing I wanted to talk about was, the recent uh, partnership the team made that is making a lot of lot of news this week. Uh, <laughs> it's a head scratching situation as as you dive in. Um, so four days ago, the Sixers announced their partnership with Color Star Technology, which in their PR release they they described as a entertainment technology company with a global network that focuses on the application of tech and artificial intelligence in the entertainment industry. So at, at the beginning, kind of everyone just looked at the press release and kind of shrugged and it's like, oh, Daryl Morey, NFTs, like 
they're just doing another tech thing, like whatever. But and then as people dove in, kind of just wondering what this was, it that's when the situation really got weird. And there was a great piece on defector.com yesterday that was tremendous research and diving into trying to find out what this company Colorstar is and, and kind of their background and everything. Uh, so just the broad strokes, um, I, I, there's, there's so much confusing information in, in this, in this article. So I, I highly recommend anyone that's interested to read it. It's, it's, it's definitely an, a, an interesting read. You won't be bored reading this. Um, so basically this was this company that was, it used to be in the ready mix concrete business. So they were kind of a construction company. And then a couple of years ago, they, they bought a company that was more involved in, uh, in the tech space and doing like teaching elements in the tech space, like kind of, and they kind of described it as like what masterclass is. Um, and, and now they also have, and then they bought another company and they, now they also described that they have like a metaverse branch where they have this color world app where you can kind of, you know, live in the, in the metaverse or whatever. Uh, so basically no one is sure if the CEO of this new company who apparently took over a, a little over a week ago, who is described as Sir Lucas Capesian and has an avatar, not, not a real picture, but an avatar on his LinkedIn profile. No, no one can actually confirm he's a real person. Sixers PR had to put out a, a, a statement that he is definitely a real person, but no one's been able to confirm this in any way. Uh, like his, his history of his uh, professional background, it doesn't even add up. Like he was listed as an executive, having an executive MBA from Harvard when Harvard doesn't award executive MBA degrees. So that, that doesn't make any sense. There's, um, <laughs> there's a, there's a lot going on. They have two, like their, their website. So they're a tech company. They have a, a U.S. website and a Chinese website. And both of them are broken with that don't have working links. There's no actual like working videos or things that would be present. If you were a company that was offering instructional and tutorial videos to people as like your core line of business, these things are not available on the websites. So it, it all seems super sketchy and dodgy. And they they registered in the Cayman Islands, and there's a lot of like, hmm, this this looks like a lot what people would do if they were money laundering. And I'm not here to make any accusations because we don't know anything for sure. But it it that's just with the broad outlines, that's kind of what it looks like. So it's all really crazy why the Sixers are getting involved in such an enterprise where at the very least they're not cutting edge in any of these things because their websites don't even work. Um, it's, it's all really weird and head scratching and, uh, super sketchy. So Harrison, as you were, as you were going through this week, what were the things that really jumped out at you or your like most head scratching moments? Like tell me about your, your take on this this week. It is is just so mind boggling. And I want to give credit to whoever wrote that report. I, I don't know the name. Yeah, um, it like, was it was co-authored by. I'm gonna butcher the first individual's name, but Matrei Anatharaman and Chris Thompson uh, were the two individuals that co-authored it for Defector. And I, I think I know where you're going with this, but yeah, go ahead. With your, with your thought. Well, 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 yeah. Shout out to those guys because, like, 
I, I read through this and honestly, I, I, I still don't understand half of what was said, but I, I can't even imagine writing that. Um, and, and I'm sure they did. They did a great job with it. Uh, but that that is a really <laughs> that, that is a topic to cover for sure. Um, but my reaction reading through this was was, you know, just I, I was confused. I was weirded out um, when when I read the 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 owner or quote unquote owner, if he's a real person, I don't know. Uh, what, what was his name, sir? What now? Sir Lucas Capazian is listed as the C- the CEO of the company. All right. Well, 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 Sir Lucas, when I read that, I was I was just like, what? And, and then I see this avatar and I don't know if you're a South Park fan, but there's this one episode of South Park where they're playing on like a World of Warcraft kind of thing. And it looks like an avatar directly out of that episode um, on, on who this owner is. <laughs> and, and it's all just mind boggling stuff. I thought the NFT stuff was pretty you know, left field, I, I kind of understand it more now. Um, it, it makes some sense. Am I ever going to do it? Probably not. But yeah. the, the NFT things, like they have their partnerships with those. That makes sense. Like, oh, you are mm-hmm. a sports enterprise that has all of these highlights from your the history of your franchise. And I'm not I'm not going to argue for or against NFTs here. But what they are is is monetizing these these moments in and and when they're sports based, it's like oh, here's the highlight. We're gonna monetize the the highlight itself, and it's it's worth something to people that put value in it. Like just like sports cards are realistically they're a piece of cardboard, but because people value them, they suddenly have value. So if you want to say that this digital version of it has value, then whatever. Like I'm not saying. You should or shouldn't, but that, that's what it is. And you are a sports franchise. So that, that made sense to me. Like, so, but this, this is a little different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the whole NFT thing, you can kind of trace it back to like what the NBA is doing with top shot, which is like the digital uh, moments or, or card things that you can quote unquote own or, or whatever with, with this. It's like, it's a company where we're not entirely sure what they do. We're not entirely sure if their owner is a real person or not. Like he's an avatar and it looks like a Viking. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that, that, that someone is running this company and it's not like, I, I, I really don't like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about all this. It's all just like you said, it, it's really shady. And, and the fact that they had to put a, a PR statement that said, yes, this person is a real person is, one of the weirdest things ever, and it's it's probably getting overshadowed by the fact that the Sixers just haven't been good lately, but it's just such a wild situation. And it's just another wild thing that you can add to the, the quote unquote process timeline. <laughs> yeah, it's it, I guess it had been too long since an absolutely absurd thing had happened, really like tangential to the Sixers. Um, yeah, yeah, they've been highly disappointing this year, but it hasn't been like in a super weird way. It's just like not good basketball way. So they, they really needed something to get back to their 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 out of left field roots. So we'll see where this goes, but it could uh, it could be up there in, in like the burner gate tier of just absurd Sixers things. If when it's all said and done, we'll see. But uh, yeah, yeah, really, really strange, bizarre situation. You hope you hope it doesn't have too much of a nefarious 
bend to it. Uh, we'll, I mean, we'll see. I'm not going to speak any more on, on that side of things, but yeah, just, just super weird. Um, so never, never boring to be a Sixers fan is the, the takeaway here, I guess. Um, all right. So that's, that's all our Sixers talk for this week. Uh, as, as I mentioned, it is Christmas Eve during this recording. Um, hope everyone has a wonderful Christmas holiday that celebrates, um, Harrison, I wanted to leave on this question. I wanted to ask you, what's, what's your favorite Christmas movie? That's such a wholesome question. Um, <laughs> So, so my original like favorite Christmas movie was Office Christmas Party, uh, which is kind of like a, a funny comedy. That's a good one. No like... one, no one really brings that up much, but yeah, I do, I do love that movie. Oh, okay, so so you know what it is, and yeah, yeah, and, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's... Kate McKinnon and Jason Bateman, and that's the one mm-hmm. you're talking about, right? Yeah, Jimmy Butler's in it. Yes, Jimmy Butler. That's right. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, I remember watching that for the first time a few years ago, and it was just hilarious. And at the time, Jimmy was on the Sixers, so it, it was cool. It was cool seeing Jimmy in a movie. Uh, obviously, he's not on the team anymore. Uh, but but a more you know child friendly or, or, or wholesome film, I would definitely have to go with one of the the Home Alones for sure. Yeah, uh, my I was just hanging with uh, my 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 wife's family yesterday, and. Our, our nieces and nephews apparently i guess they they've been watching home alone for the first time and they had memorized the uh the scene where the pizza guy arrives and he's like keep keep the change you filthy animal that's that scene they they memorized yeah. the dialogue from that entire scene <laughs> and they were just oh they just repeated it to us and it's like i i'm like a little bit unsure if this is appropriate for you but it's also hilarious so that this is wonderful so it's home alone is definitely a movie that will stick in the the pantheon for years to come so that that is a good choice for sure um mine mine personally i I think the one i I end up watching the most now is elf and i i always come back to that um the the beginning with the like not now arctic puffin and bye buddy hope you find your dad that that never fails to crack me up and then peter dinklage having having his role and his his little scene in that and then him going on to like even bigger stardom as like Tyrion lannister in game of thrones and and now kind of imagining Tyrion in as as the person in that scene that's all that that always gets me now um and i just like will ferrell movies in general so that's a good one um that I, I, I definitely, I, I think I've already watched four times this year because my wife always puts it on. Um, and then It's a Wonderful Life is kind of the classic one that I always enjoy coming back to and at least watching once each year. And I, I think that's one that's uh, timeless and it's it still kind of holds up. A lot, a lot of the older movies don't really hold up super well, but it, I think It's a Wonderful Life definitely still does and, and will for years to come. I love Elf, so so I'm really glad you brought that up. Do you think they should make a sequel with that? Because because I know like people have been kind of hinting at that, and so far, what Will Ferrell's kind of turned it down. But do you think it's sequel worthy? I mean, I'm sure everyone would love it, and it'd be an easy cash grab for them to do it. Um, like, did you did you watch Eurovision? Eurovision during the pandemic, I literally watched it six times, and I I started putting those songs in like a youtube playlist and just listening to the songs all the time um i don't know did you watch eurovision i i have not no oh, highly recommended to anyone out there that hasn't watched it um but yeah so will will ferrell's 
movie is still they still hold up for me like he's he's still putting out bangers in my mind um so i would be 100 percent on board with an elf sequel i like zoe deschanel uh from from new girl i'm a big new girl fan so i i'd love to see her on the big screen again yeah it could definitely be like hey their kid like he's trying to balance the the elf the, the North Pole world and being like a regular human, they could definitely have this like hire hire a good up and coming young actor, like twenty something actor, to be like the kid. Um, yeah, it could it could center around him. That that that'd be a good plot line. I'd be on board. Yeah, there you go. That, that's simple enough. Just go <laughs> off of that. I mean, yeah, I'd watch it. Get in touch with me, Hollywood. I have ideas. So, all <laughs> right. So definitely, uh, all all great movies we just mentioned. If you haven't seen any of them, uh, you know, take take two two hours out of your holiday this this holiday season and uh catch catch one of them they're all great so harrison i appreciate you joining me this week i wish that we had uh better on court sixers stuff to kind of discuss maybe maybe sometime in the future we'll get back to a place where we can but uh appreciate you joining um especially during during the holiday season here and 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 have a wonderful christmas and enjoy all the time with your family and to everyone else out there y'all do the same but all, all, all good wishes for the holiday season and hopefully the Sixers can turn things around.